the Uproom Frisco podcast. To learn more about your Frisco, please visit uproomfrisco.com. Um, I'm going to give a 30-minute message in nine and a half minutes. You guys ready? <laughs> let, me just, let me just address this for a moment. Hi, guys. It's so good to see y'all. Um, we are a community that highly values putting the Holy Spirit center stage and following Holy Ghost with whatever the Holy Spirit is leading us to do. Therefore, sometimes we alter our plans I say sometimes, but it's almost every Sunday. There's just, we do something slightly different than planned. And so thank you for uh, bearing with me as I just share a, a short word on, um, that I feel like the Lord put on my heart. Uh, one of my favorite verses for church life is 1 Corinthians 14, 26. You don't have to put it up there, but it simply says, when you guys gather together, everyone brings something, a, a psalm, a hymn, a prayer, a, a tongue, an interpretation, a tongue, a revelation. A t- it's like everybody brings something to the table. And recently, I was at a meeting where, um, where the leader of the meeting said, we're, we're actually going to, to do this. And it was mostly pastors and uh, staffers and just leaders in the room, and, um, and he opened it up, and it was a beautiful moment. I, I loved it. He did, I mean, it was so brilliant because then people got to begin to share many teachings or sing like a chorus or a spontaneous song, and I thought, like, in that moment, I've trained for this moment. My whole life has been leading up to right now. I'm, and I tell you what, guys, I was going through all of my abilities. I was thinking, okay, I'm gonna, I got a teaching. And like in, 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 in a minute, I had like what I thought would be like a fire teaching, you know? Just a word to bring, but only like two minutes long, not too long, because I didn't want to appear self-important, right? And I also, like, I had a prophetic word. I, was th- I looked around the room, and I was like, I'm going to prophesy over that guy. It's going to be awesome. And then I was like, well, maybe a song. And so I started writing, like, a spontaneous song. And, but I had two versions. I had a deep, serious version, and I had a silly version for whatever the Lord might do in that moment, right? And I was going through all of the things that I know how to do, because I grew up in like a Holy Spirit loving, believing in the gifts, charismatic, banging the tambourine kind of community. Like I, I grew up knowing this stuff. And so within a, within a couple minutes, I was just armed and ready to go. And I was just waiting for the moment, you know, just a quick little lull where I could say something. And, and I had this vision of Admiral Akbar from Star Wars, you know the fish face guy? He goes, it's a trap. (laughs) And I just kind of like sat there in it. And I realized uh, that I had taken a a verse that was meant to be so life-giving and freeing into performance. How can I do something (laughs) awesome for God? Because obviously God needs me, right? I I mean, I figured out why he saved me. It's because he needs me. The world needed me, right? No, of course not. (laughs) Of course not. 
And I had gotten all up in my head and back into that mess of self-validation through showing what I could do, how I could serve, how I could manifest God uniquely. And, um, and I sat there and chuckled at myself and decided to stay completely quiet. And it was actually hard, you know? Because I'm like, I love ministry. I'm like, oh, I got something, I got something. And I just sat there because the Lord had deposited all of these revelations all throughout the room. And I got to sit there and remember that God loves me despite what I do, and often in spite of <laughs> what I do. And I recalled um, a story of one of our, one of our kids. Um, she, she is a cleaner and a server. She's always looking for ways to like serve. It's amazing. I pray that for you guys, <laughs> that you get at least one of these. And so <clears throat> there's this one time, she's just doing her thing. She's cleaning without anyone having asked her. I think she was doing dishes and putting stuff away. And, and um, I went to thank her and uh, just affirm her. But then I, I took it a step further because I wanted to make sure that, that she was spared from the performance spirit that I suffered under. And so I, I said to her, hey, sweetheart, I'm so grateful for these things that you're doing. It, it's just amazing. Thank you for serving the family. And, and I said, but, but you know that you wouldn't have to do any of this. You, if you never cleaned, if you never served, I would love you the same forever. And she goes, I know, Dad, I just want to. It's like, okay, keep going. <laughs> um, you know, John, John the Beloved, John the Apostle, John the Revelator, John who is arguably Jesus' close friend, John who laid his head on the, the bosom, the, the chest of Jesus, John who whispered, you know, questions into Jesus' ear, he was the oldest surviving apostle. And he lived an incredible life. And I'm sure uh, he could prophesy better than me, uh, lay hands on the sick better than me. I'm sure he could do all the stuff. His resume as an apostle was thick, right? And he was the last one to write his gospel. And it's and it was probably actually after a lot of the letters of Paul even. It's a little bit unsure as the exact date, but we know for sure it was the last written gospel. So he had a lot of time to sit and meditate with his friend, resurrected Jesus, Holy Spirit hanging out with him. He got to dwell and marinate on all the things that he has seen, experienced, and I'm sure he had encounters with, with Christ. Obviously, we know of one, the book of Revelation, but I'm sure that wasn't the only one. So when he wrote his gospel, I think that he had the most time to really think about what he wanted to say. And John, um, he, he made disciples of his own also. And those disciples made disciples. And I want you guys to understand that John's disciples and grand disciples were the most hunted people on planet Earth. They're all martyred. 
They're all sought because wherever these guys went, they started spiritual fires <laughs> because of the impartation of <sighs> John the Beloved. And even though John was insanely anointed and capable and able to do all of these things, he could prophesy, he could lay hands on the sick, he could apostle with the best of them. Six times he referred to himself in his gospel and he only chose to identify himself as the one that the Lord loves. He never talked about all the great things he was able to do and all of his identity boiled down to knowing that he was loved by Jesus. That's what I was feeling in the room today. Uh, I was getting delivered up here again. Deliverance can look like a bunch of different things, but I was standing here just weeping in the presence, having all that performance broken off of me again and knowing that I'm the one the Lord loves. And I want you guys to have that impartation today that you are the one that the Lord loves. And um, the reason it's so important that this is the, the foundation of our identity is because all of our behavior flows from identity. Like sin's not a behavior problem. Sin is an identity problem. And so if, if we believe less than good things about ourselves, we will eventually manifest less than good things with our hands and our words. And so I want us to receive the revelation this morning that we are profoundly loved and I want us to resist the spirit of condemnation, the way that we've been told to resist sin. Romans 8.1 says that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. Can you guys just say no condemnation? No condemnation. Zero, none. None. So shame often steps in and shame has this voice that is able to make us believe that we are not just flawed, but uniquely flawed. That's the power of shame. And then the belief that we are uniquely flawed then brings the motivation in us to try to make up for it. And so... There's this really tricky thing that can happen to Christians, and it's this. It's when we try to show that we are devoted to God by proving our devotion to God. Instead of having the ability to just rest in our sonship and have good works flow from that place. Does that make sense? This was the trap that the Galatian church fell into. Can you put up Galatians 3.1? This is Paul talking. He, he, he gets pretty rough with the Galatian church because they get religious. They, they fall into this trap of performance. And this is 
This is what he says to them. What has happened to you, Galatians, to be acting so foolishly? You must be some, under some evil spell. Didn't God open your eyes to see the meaning of Jesus' crucifixion? Wasn't he revealed to you as the crucified one? So answer me this, did the Holy Spirit come to you as a reward for keeping the Jewish laws? No, you received him as a gift because you believed in the Messiah. Your new life in the anointed one began with the Holy Spirit giving you a new birth. Why then would you so foolishly turn from living in the spirit by trying to finish by your own works? What, you, what the Lord started in you in the spirit, don't try to pick up and finish with your own performance. Uh, that, that word, um, evil spell, or in some translations it says, who has bewitched you? I looked up the Greek in that because that's gotta be an interesting word, right? Uh, the Greek for that, uh, the, the meaning is, I'm not gonna try to say it, I'll just embarrass myself, but the, the, the meaning of it is, the, the evil spell is, to impart the evil eye to. In other words, we were given the eye of the evil one to see ourselves. That's the trap of the Galatians. They were looking at themselves through the lens of the enemy. What happens after that is we become our own favorite project to work on. and we've taken the bait. I wanna say this, the Lord is interested in the process of our journey and beautification and all that. He really, really is, but he is at the helm, okay? And um, I had a pastor once say, you know that there's like a million things wrong with you. <laughs> the enemy's job is try to get you to see them all at once. The father's usually patiently working on one and you rarely even know it. Correction apart from connection leads to condemnation. Correction apart from connection leads to condemnation. We are creatures who have to be continually reminded of God's affection for us, aren't we? That's how we're made. It's not like this one and done thing. He knows it because he loves to lavish his affection on us throughout our whole lives. God is love there, and there's nothing beneath that. There's not a deeper thing that God might be. At the core of his essence, his ontos, his very being, he is love and everything flows from that burning furnace of Love, and I think that we have an easy time believing that the Father loves the Son, that God loves Jesus, because Jesus is awesome, right? There's no doubt they're continually connected. He never screws up. He's a lovable kind of guy, right? But what, where the breakdown sometimes happens is, but does, does the Father have that same kind of, of love for me? And Jesus wanted to make sure that that issue was settled in his final prayer. This is before he is betrayed into the hands of the Jews. And John 17, can you put that one up? 
This is when Jesus prays for his disciples, but then he begins praying for everyone after his disciples. And this is when Jesus is actually praying for the whole world. Um, Let's just get to that, that last sentence there. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. I want us to just catch the the gravity of this. Jesus is in this moment using loved, past tense, as in God loves every single human before they do a single good decision as much as he loves the son, Jesus himself. Now y'all are looking at me like I'm trying to sell you swamp land in Florida. (laughs) It sounds too good to be true. One time I had the Lord say to me, um, you don't have to teach people how to worship if you show them who they really have the opportunity to worship. Lovers outwork workers every single time when we know how deeply we are loved, what flows from our life is pure, unadulterated worship of the one who loves us. I wanna close um, but just by telling you one quick story. Uh, many years ago, I was predominantly a, a worship leader. I led from my acoustic guitar, belted out songs somewhat on key. And, um, and that's the kind of thing where it's, it's like an all-consuming uh, calling to get better at, at it, you know, because you, you're learning the music, you're learning how to sing, you're writing the lyrics. And years had gone by of me working on being a corporate worship leader. And at the time, I had a friend walking with me at this church for many years. He's a very honest guy. And, and uh, several years after I was, I've been leading worship, I asked him, after I led worship at this church, I asked him, what'd you think? And he said, man, it was, it was really great. But you didn't feel like David sitting on a stone in the middle of the pasture alone anymore, singing to the Lord. And you used to feel like that. And I was taken aback. I, uh, it was one of the harshest <laughs> things anyone's ever said to me. And it was said in such love and such innocence and honesty that it cut me so deep. I just sat on it and marinated on it, and I was like, you know what? I have gotten good at a lot of things, but it never made God love my worship more. It never made God love just spending time with me more. And I just, I just repented. You know, you can kind of repent with a smile and a chuckle and say, Lord, thank you. I want to be David again, just sitting on that stone in the middle of a pasture, singing to you in a starry night, just you and me, Jesus. Even if there's hundreds, just you and me, Jesus. So we thank you, Father, for your love with which you have loved us. We thank you that you love us as much as you love Jesus in the same manner that you love Jesus. And we pray, God, that you would free us uh, from any kind of 
performance from any of the, the trap, <laughs> the trap of the Galatians. And let us feel your affection all over again. In Jesus' name, amen.